Welcome to Adventist Reflections, your network sharing character building ideas. Now to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Danzy. Hi family, welcome back to another episode of Adventist Reflections, your podcast. Trachoma. That's the story where we will start today's reflections with. Today's ideas are based on the passage found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 38. They are titled, Ministering Like Jesus, and it's week 8 on this series about making friends for God. So, what is trachoma? Well, let me share with you. Trachoma is a contagious bacterial infection of the eye. It causes the eye to be inflamed in granulation on the inner surface of the lids. This disease is caused by the chlamydial organism Chlamydia trichomatis. This kind of illness was very common in the time of Christ, in the region, and in the time where Jesus lived. In fact, it is likely that he healed many people with such condition whilst he ministered here on earth. Now, think about this. Jesus went about healing, healing many people. In fact, he came here for such reason, a part of that, actually. We know that he came here to redeem us, but he came to deliver the suffering of humankind, thus showing his character, that is the character of God. It is nevertheless interesting that as Jesus healed some people, he told them not to say anything to anyone. It looks like as if he wanted to conceal it. For example, after having healed two blind men, and we read this in the passage we talked about, likely they had trachoma. He then proceeded to tell them not to say anything to anyone, but hey, if you are blind and then you can see as a result of a miracle, wouldn't you go out to tell people too? And even if you don't say anything, everyone else would notice that you can see again. So we cannot really blame these two guys here. In fact, they spread the word in the region and that was that. Many people came to Christ as a result. From demon-possessed people to people with various disabilities, Jesus healed them all. But here is the puzzling thing. If Jesus was interested in healing others, why would he say to those two blind men in chapter 9 of Matthew verse 30 not to tell anyone about that miracle? This appears somehow paradoxical behavior, especially since these two recognize him as the Messiah. We know this because these men called Jesus the son of David. We read this in verse 27 saying, And when Jesus departed thence, Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28 tells us that Jesus did not seem to pay attention to them, but until he came to this place and entered into a house, he then healed them, and that's when he told them not to tell everyone else. Now, there is a twofold to this story. Number one, these men saw what Jesus had done on someone else's life. Verse 27 indicates that by saying that when Jesus departed from a specific place, it was from there that these two blind men followed him. Where was Jesus coming from? Where did these two blind men see or hear him? Well, they didn't see anything, but they heard him. 
Well, reading a few verses from before allows us to see that Jesus had come from helping others also. In fact, he had just raised from being dead the daughter of a man called Jairus. You could read of this parallel and the same story in the book of Mark chapter 5. So, nobody could blame these two blind men for saying, hey, these men healed everyone. We heard he just resurrected this child. We were around and heard when this happened. He could give us our sight back. In fact, he must be the Messiah. This is the son of David prophesied about in ancient writings. Oh, family, what a story of faith by these two men. It blows my mind. And well, again, who can blame them? Either way, they had nothing to lose and much to win. It is here that I would like us to pause together and reflect. I wonder how many people out there doubt of the benefits of believing in God, a God that is loving, caring, a God of justice, a redeemer. How many out there doubt just because of the influences of various models of thinking that go against the reality of such God? A few weeks back, a friend of mine and I were speaking about this in another podcast that we run in the Adventist Reflections Network. And, well, it's called Gluten Time, in fact. I encourage you to go and check it out. In the Gluten Time podcast, we speak of the biological, psychological, social, and mostly spiritual implications in how this could benefit someone's mental health. So, in that podcast, my friend and I, Dr. Nard, spoke about the idea that if God was just a placebo effect, well, the benefits still significantly outweighed any potential adverse consequences. But, if God is real, and we deny Him in our minds, we have much to lose. In fact, let's take it farther. If God is just placebo. Let me ask you, are there any significant consequences you can think of from believing in it? I cannot. In fact, all I can think of is that if you believe in the God of the Bible, all that would consequently come from that is positive. Any behaviors the God of the Bible may be calling you to rectify, to modify, or to change are positively connected to your physical, psychological, social, and spiritual health. Oh, how I wish that all the people I relate to could see who this God is, the one and only. Anyways, let's go back to our story. We already agreed that these two men had nothing to lose, but much to win their sight. After all, what if they did not get healed? What if they were ridiculed by those around them? What if somebody rejected them socially for following Jesus Christ? They probably already did. It was indeed a small price to pay, anyhow, for the gamble of being healed by whom could be the Messiah. But for these men, yes, yes, I must say this. For these men, this was no gamble. It was a matter of faith. They were certain that the impossible could be made possible in the hands of Christ. Do you have such faith today? One that does not waver? 
let us apply it in line with our current study series of Making Friends for God. Do you believe that this same God, this Christ, who intercedes for you, your family, for your neighbors, for everyone on behalf of those who seek him, do you think that he can help you in making friends for him? Do you think that he can help you in introducing others to such source of peace, reassurance, and restoration? Now, that is one fault. The other aspect remains uncovered. That is, what would Jesus still tell these men not to say anything to anyone as we alluded to before? This is strange because Christ is meant to be kind and merciful, forgiving, and healing would bring much relief to everyone. Why would he then appear to try to hide his power with which he healed these other two people? I thought we were meant to be a blessing to others and bring more friends to him. Well, when you read the context, that is, what happened before and what happened after, it is not hard to realize that Christ was indeed compassionate about these two men as well as those in need of alleviation, and that is why this charge to these two men was rather a caution so that he will not be prevented from that very thing that he came to do, to alleviate the human suffering and offer life in abundance. I love this commentary statement made in the book Cancels on Health, page 527. It says, The enmity kindled in the human heart against the gospel was keenly felt by the Son of God, and it was most painful to him in his home. For his own heart was full of kindness and love, and he appreciated tender regard in the family relation. But with their short measuring line, his brothers could not fathom the mission that he came to fulfill, and therefore they could not sympathize with him and his trials. Some of those whom Christ healed, he charged to tell no man. He knew that the more the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers heard of his miracles, the more they will try to hedge up his way. But notwithstanding his precautions, so much the more went their fame abroad him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Again and again he was followed by the priests, who expressed their violent sentiments against him in order to stir up the enmity of the people. But when he could no longer safely remain in one place, he went to another. So that kind of a strange request from Jesus was rather filled with the motive to be longer with the people to bless them when he just entered. So let us reflect. Is this the kind of God that you know? Is this the kind of God that you serve? Jesus ministered to the people with compassion, and it is the same compassion that which in his wisdom caused him to say, hey guys, look, could you please not make a big deal about your healing so that I don't get kicked out by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers who hate me from being around here delivering the suffering of others just for political reasons? Jesus was not a politician because he is God. We know this is what really happened, 
because after these two blind men spread the word against Jesus, or rather about Jesus, or rather against Jesus' advice, they brought many people to be given restoration. Verses 32 to 34 of the same chapter 9 in the book of Matthew tell us that the Pharisees were not happy about the healing of the mute possessed men, but instead accused Christ of being of Satan's team. What an absurd idea. It is here that we come to the crux and conclusion of this story at the same time for our reflections today. We find this in verse 35 and 36. 35 says how Jesus, God himself, went out to all the cities in that region, to all the multitudes, teaching and preaching, as well as healing every disease amongst the people. And then the beautiful aspect of the nature of such actions come in verse 36. Let me read it for us all. Verse 36 says, But then he saw the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scared abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Wow, what an amazing God we serve. Indeed, Jesus' ministry was effective because he had and demonstrated sincere compassion towards those he ministered to. So let us pause and reflect. Are you showing compassion towards those with whom you have contact? In the words of Mark Finley, author of the book Making Friends for God, he says, Jesus' ministry of self-sacrificial love revealed the nature of the kingdom of God. His words made an impact because his selfless life was in harmony with his words. His teachings made an impact because his loving actions were the outgrowth of his teachings. If Christ's actions were not in harmony with his words, he would have had little real influence on the people around him. Today, the church is the body of Christ, meeting people's needs in Jesus' name, revealing his love and ministering to the community through the church I watch in world and waiting universe sees the gracious character of God. Just as Christ testified to the truthfulness of his words, by his selfless actions, so he calls his church to move past pious platitudes and engage in service. My Adventist Reflections family, how is your ministry doing today? Jesus' method of evangelism was to find a need and meet it. His comprehensive threefold ministry, preaching, teaching, and healing, transformed lives. I would like to invite you indeed to spend a few minutes thinking about someone in your sphere of influence who has a real need, somebody that you might be able to meet such need for. Maybe there is a single mom who needs a break from the kids. Maybe you can do something for her and so that she can have a mom's night out. How can you befriend her? How can you invite her home for a meal? What about offering some kind of friendship? changing the oil in her car. Maybe there is a retired widower living across the street who is lonely and waiting for somebody to come to be friends with. What practical things can you do for him? What about the young couple 
who have just moved into the apartment down the hall from yours and into the house across the street, how can you help them to become better acquainted with the community? Think about the people in your sphere of influence, about the people that you are with at school, in the neighborhood, in the shops, at work, who need better health. They might desire to quit smoking, to adopt a healthier lifestyle, to lose weight, to stop drinking, to reduce the stress, to exercise more, or maybe just have a better overall health outcome. Indeed. How can your church, how can you develop an ongoing comprehensive health outreach in this place where humanity suffers. If you are eager to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, you and I should be considering concrete ways to meet our community's needs in His name. If we are going to be followers of Jesus, let's love as He loved, let's minister as He ministered, and let's serve as He served. I am Dr. Dancy, and today I choose to love God, spending time reflecting on the ministry given to my hands to do, seeking God's compassion, and practicing God's example by ministering to others the way Christ did. How about you? Have you listened to our mental health podcasts? It's called Gluten Time. You can follow and listen to Gluten Time with Dr. Dancy and Dr. Nard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Remember to follow and comment on our Adventist Reflections Network media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and see when we release new episodes. We also have podcasts in Spanish. Go check them out. God bless you.